0: Hello everybody. This is Saival Sen with India Startup Talk. And today we have a super fantastic and interesting guest, Mohammed Kazim, who is the founder of Mercury Telecom. And that's in Amsterdam, headquartered in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. So uh, the topic, as you know, today is private 5G, right? So everybody's heard of 5G, Some of you may not have heard of private 5G, we're gonna get into that. And particularly this topic, private 5G, is exciting time for startups and enterprises. And that's why I labeled is, you know, this private 5G may itself be the trailblazer for opening up opportunities for public 5G. So it's quite a drastic statement, but we'll see as we progress through the podcast, how that unfolds. So a little bit more about Mohammed Kazim, our guest. Uh, He, as I said, is the founder of Venus and Mercury Telecom, and he has a fascinating journey in telecom. He had a very early start in creating services in telecom when he worked at Philips. And indeed, even I didn't know, because I've done a lot of work at Philips, he had uh, a big hand in creating Philips Telecom or working in that space in the early days. Uh, then he went on to work in various telecom equipment manufacturers and operators such as Motorola, Ericsson, KPN and at and And all this experience gave him the solid foundation to start his own uh, virtual telecom company and MVNO which he ran for many years. And what's, Most interesting about what he's about to do now, and he's already started it, is creating a service, which I'm coining it as a VP5 or uh, virtual private 5G services for enterprises. So we'll hear more about that. Uh, It'll be a customized service that will differentiate itself from what might be available from the public 5G companies, uh, because who their services will be inflexible. And what Venus and Mercury, uh, Venus and Mercury Telecom is trying to do is to give them the flexibility that they need in a private 5G setting. So to do this, he has acquired Spectrum from the government of Netherlands and partnered with a company called Edscom in Finland. And this is a powerful combination because EdScom, is a leader in providing private LTE, which you can consider as the predecessor to private 5G, uh, in mining, defense, and railways. And VNM, which is Venus and Mercury Telecom, Mohammed's company, will provide the spectrum, the 5G infrastructure, and the operational know-how to build uh, his, uh, you know, customer base in the enterprise in Netherlands and maybe even beyond in Europe. So we are lucky to have Mohammed. sorry, this is a very long introduction, but he has firsthand knowledge in the industry. And I'm hoping today's conversation will not be just gazing into a 5G crystal ball and trying to predict the future, but based on reality, ground reality and what the enterprise customer wants. So let's get started. Mohammed, please uh, welcome to the show, or welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Seibel. Uh, you are very generous in your introduction of me. Uh, <laughs> you, are, you made me blush here behind this microphone. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you know our conversation I have we had a wonderful conversation last week. I'm sure it will be a delight to the audience. So let's 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 have the conversation proof. Uh, rather than you saying that <laughs> I'm doing <laughs> overdoing it, but anyway. Uh, so, anything else you want to say about your background that I may have missed uh, that you want to add to it, or
1: no? I th- I think you you've done a very good job uh, in, in, uh, uh, promoting uh, pro- promoting me and actually. Uh, Mm-hmm. making me seem much bigger than I am, I think. So,
0: <laughs> No, not at, all. not at all. But I'll tell you honestly, though, I am really what the truth is, I'm trying to make private 5G bigger than it is, maybe. <laughs> and <laughs> since you're part of it, uh, so you're big as well. But I really believe that. And I think you and I are both in the same boat. So let's get started. My, my first question, which everybody's curious, and maybe you don't have to dwell on it too much because people already know, but quickly tell our audience what is 5G and more importantly, what is private 5G and how it differs?
1: I agree with you that private 5G is probably going to be, uh, at least in the foreseeable future, bigger than public 5G. Because it actually, 5G, if you look at it in essence, allows you to tailor your service towards your needs. And that is... Of importance for many uh, business users. So, it, the short explanation of the difference between public 5G and private 5G is that private 5G is customized communication, tailor-made to the needs of um, uh, the industry or the the, the the company that will be using it. Um, it is for a closed user group, and it is for a closed uh, closed footprint. So it is, you know, for a factory or for a railway company or for a mining company or for a hospital or airport. So it's a well-defined user and therefore you're able to tailor the service to the needs of that user. And of course, there are people, the employees uh, that that, uh, work in that company that use it and so it is, it's tailored to their needs. It's a closed user group and a closed footprint, but with all the benefits of, of the 5G technology.
0: Great. Now, one of the things I've noticed that in, in talking to people in the industry, everybody has this imagination that when the telecom operator is creating a service, it's a humongous expense in terms of radio equipment, towers, backhaul software you know mission critical servers so how is it that private 5g will be something in terms of capex cost something palatable for Mm -hmm. an enterprise which is the essence of private 5g so how does that come about yeah that's an
1: excellent question so so as as i mentioned it's it's a limited footprint because you're building the network for you know a uh hospital or a airport or whatever. So, so, so a specific um, business user. And so you're only building the radio network there where that business user is or needs it. And you are linking these um, radio cell towers um, to a cloud-based core network. So the core network can be leveraged for all your customers. And the radio network, which is the most expensive part of a 5G network, is, you know, built to 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 order, so to speak. So if you only have uh, uh, in a certain area one user, which is, you know, a, a hospital, then you are only covering that hospital. And if then... Uh, if, few hundred kilometers uh, further, there's another business, you know, a mining company or a harbor, then you are again adding towers only for that footprint. So it's a very efficient uh, way of doing it. You have a common core network uh, connected uh, to the cloud, and you have a radio network that is aimed specifically to the footprint that you want to cover.
0: Right, right, so it's a smaller footprint, therefore the area is smaller and the capex yes. cost is lower, but is, can you say something about the, the cost of the core, uh, like in terms, of, I mean, maybe not exactly because this is still an emerging area, right? Like in order of magnitude, how much cheaper is it from a telco's expense point of view to set up the core network and the radio network and the management software for an enterprise? Or is yeah. it what an operator would uh, So the, or basically
1: you, you are, um, the, the operator of that private 5G will provide it uh, on a lease basis. So you don't really buy the equipment, you're renting it. And so the benefit for that is that you know, if you only need it for a few years, because sometimes you only need it for a certain period of, of years, uh, or, in, or for just to be sure you just want to have a five-year contract then it's 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 an operational expense. So you don't have much capex, basically. And, uh, you know, for a, few, depending on how much capacity you need, of course, but for a few thousand dollars per month, you can have your private 5G setup.
0: Great, great. Okay, so now that part is out of the way that it's going to be an affordable proposition. Then yes. the question becomes, what prompts so or what drives what attracts the enterprise to want a private 5G network? Like what is it replacing or what is it improving upon from what they already have? Like maybe replacing their Wi-Fi or better than a private LTE? Like what's the main, um, what you call it, the driver?
1: So there are actually uh, various drivers. So you could compare it. it's a rough comparison, but you could you could compare a private 5G network with a PBX, and uh, PBX, of course, is also a you know a uh, local closed user group uh, telecom network, fixed, and this is now wireless and 5G, which means that it is very low latency. It means that it is very reliable, very robust and because everything is local on your premise, it's also very secure. <clears throat> so these are, let's say, the main drivers. One is that you are very conscious of the security uh, of your data. This could, for example, be the hospital. Yeah, they don't want to have everybody uh, accessing uh, uh, patient data. It's, it's very you know, privacy um, conscious uh, organization usually. So therefore, they are keeping their data local on premise in the cloud, but it's a local cloud, not a public cloud. The other um, use case could be, for example, in a harbor setting uh, where you are using it um, to steer um, uh, cranes, for example, then you want to have very low latency because you want to have immediate uh, a response uh, from the machine or the robot um, that you are uh, uh, steering via the network the same goes for a warehouse you know where you're doing order picking in a warehouse you know for you know the big uh, uh, you know the the how do you call it the uh, the grocery shops that do home delivery so they do their order picking in a big warehouse and uh, you can then use 5G which is very quickly uh, and and it's very secure and it beats wi-fi that of course is very much interference prone so there there could be various reasons why you need it the other could be also um, that you have a different upload download uh, ratio than than normal Um, for example if you are uh, here in holland we have uh, tata steel and um, as you know, they, they, they make, uh, you know, the, 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 the steel, uh, which is in very high temperature furnaces. And if something breaks down, then of course you need to have much protected gear to, uh, to, to be near the, the furnace. And those who are on the ground are not necessarily the ones that have all the engineering know-how how how to fix something. So they usually do the repairs via a video connection. The guys with the actual uh, knowledge are in sort of a control room and via a video link uh, uh, to the guy in the protective suit near the furnace, give him the instructions what to do you know how to to fix a certain problem so that if, if you are using a public network then the uplink connections first of all are not reliable enough and they are not sufficiently high speed enough to accommodate your need and and if you have a private 5g you can have the uplink um, very high, uh, speed so that, you know, that the, the video link is two way, but it is, you know, more symmetrical than, than usual uh, for a consumer.
0: Right. Right. So, so in a nutshell, then it almost seems to me that you have all the security, the speed, the latency, the low latency that was in, that was, you know, part and parcel of a fixed network, but now you have mobility. So, Correct. So I can imagine that other forms of mobility solutions like Wi-Fi and even LTE didn't quite deliver that same level of performance for latency, bandwidth, and uh, segregation of up, up, upload, download that you said. So that's yes. the main distinction. I'm. I mean, that's what I'm. I'm hearing right.
1: Yes. I mean, with private 5G, you could give the quality of service level that the customer needs. And uh, a public uh, network only has standardized solutions and can mm. only offer service on a best effort basis. They can never guarantee uh, uh, service quality. And, and, I,
0: and, I, and I, I forgot 5G. about the security because you also mentioned security. In, in yes. the existing wireless networks, probably not as strong as what is available in 5G. It's I mean, not- it's
1: public, public internet, so anybody can access it. When, if it is private cloud, then you have it at your premise. It doesn't leave your premise. Mm-hmm. Unless right. you want it, of course, because you could have, let's say, a backup in a, uh, in a public uh, a cloud, which they then call hybrid cloud, uh, but that depends on you and your security uh, requirements.
0: Correct, right. Now, I've also heard, I'm talking to all these private 5G companies, they also make a, a very big deal of the virtualization and orchestration and ZTP, zero-touch provisioning. Is that also part of a big uh, enabler for wanting to use private 5G? So, so that is
1: more, I would say, 5G because these are all core elements that you are uh, mentioning so 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 the, the the application layers that can be you know virtualized and and can be on any kind of machine so 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 that uh, is one of the benefits of 5g in general
0: right 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 so on a natural follow up to this question what are you seeing which areas in the industry are you seeing maximum traction or you know potential for five private five g solution who who would be the main beneficiaries?
1: The first movers are, of course those that had private LTE and they just upgrade to five g. But what I expect is that there will be uh, some new uh, niches coming up uh, that that you know have to do with the low latency, uh, for example, um, robotics is, is uh, one of the uh, key um, uh, emerging uh, applications and, and so we are talking about uh, factory holes where they use robots um, for manufacturing uh, or for order picking or whatever and of course one step further is self-driving vehicles this could be uh, cranes um, in, in an airport but they could also be tractors in agriculture. Um, already you have um, self-driving uh, tractors uh, that are GPS um, coordinated so that you have very straightforward lanes when they are uh, you know, driving forth with their uh, equipment, uh, with the agricultural equipment. But at the moment, they still need to have somebody sitting on the vehicle so that if something unexpected happens that, you know, he breaks yeah. if there, a, a cow suddenly comes there or or, or uh, some obstacle that wasn't foreseen is there. So it's, so it's more for a security measure. With low latency, you don't need to have every uh, agricultural vehicle manned. You could be unmanned and you have remote Uh, control because then you could and you have sensors that react uh, uh, immediately and can uh, do the braking for you or whatever maneuver you need uh, automatically.
0: Right, right. But on a more like uh, simple mundane uh, scale, do you think Mm -hmm. that uh, enterprises will replace their Wi-Fi networks or not build any more Wi-Fi networks and try to do it with 5G, private 5G?
1: Mm, Depends what they use the Wi-Fi for. I mean, if you have an existing Wi-Fi network and it's performing uh, uh, okay, then why would you replace it? It is only that if you need to build a new network, then why would you use outdated technology you would go for the the newer technology or if the wi-fi is not secure enough or for your needs or if it is not reliable enough for your needs then you would move to 5g or it doesn't have sufficient capacity for you so it it, it depends on your situation Um, but definitely if you already have a wi-fi network um, then 5G is is a much more powerful network. So if you uh, are using the Wi-Fi networks to its limits, then 5G is is the way to go.
0: True, true. Well, I was thinking more like for India, things are coming up so fast, these new office complexes, new residential complexes. Would they actually look at, look towards private 5G to provide internet access or enterprise network access in the campus using 5G. Would that be a viable option you think? Is there a business case uh, compared to doing the traditional way, which is just hooking up access points for Wi-Fi's?
1: The question is, are they using it for a closed user group, or is it for anybody who comes in or out of the campus? So, and and what information are they uh, accessing? You know, if you are talking about a university campus uh, that has, you know, university-specific data, then you could use 5G for employees and students uh, of of the university. If you want to, you know, have them interact together, it's again like a um, a PABX, but then wireless and much more powerful. Uh, if you are using it because you are surfing the internet, then it would be more logical to use public 5G.
0: Right, okay. Got it. Is it is it got anything to do with the, the SIM? You need identified people on private 5G or it's uh, not that limitation?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, well, it's not that, li- the, 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 um, the use case limitation is are you, uh, you use private 5G if you are using it for a closed user group. If you are using it for the general public, then uh, it is more logical to use public 5G uh, because this means that you also have visitors, right? But if you are providing something that is limited to a certain group, mm-hmm. then, then that, that is where private 5G comes in. Oh, so, I so
0: no, no, my question wasn't so much to do with the private versus public 5G, but it was more to do with the the uh, comparison between whether to deploy a wi-fi in a campus or assuming it's a greenfield right whether okay. they should look towards deploying private 5g versus using you know campus wide wi-fi
1: so the, the wi-fi network is only an access um, point yes yeah? so if you are connecting people uh Yeah, so, okay, first question is, what is the quality of your fixed network? So the Wi-Fi is an extension of your fixed network. So if the Wi-Fi connects you to a fiber, uh, uh, fiber to the home or fiber to the campus network, which is high speed, then Wi-Fi is good. If it is connecting you to a low quality copper cable, then you definitely need 5G. (laughs)
0: Got it. Okay. okay.
1: Because that's much quicker. Yeah. So this Wi-Fi is is like wireless endpoint uh, extension of a fixed network. And the quality of the Wi-Fi network is therefore strongly correlated with the public fixed network that it connects to. Right. Right.
0: Okay. Sounds good. So let's move on to another interesting feature of... uh, 5G itself, and I think it's going to play a pretty big role in private 5G, which is the concept of edge, the edge Mm -hmm. computing. Mm -hmm. So uh, the way I understand it, and maybe you can build up on it more, the concept of edge within 5G or even private 5G is that Mm -hmm. you're getting a a virtual machine, almost like a mini data center, very close to the end user, giving them the benefit of, well, two benefits, is quickly uh, set up a instance of a computing environment, run the apps with very low latency so that if it's a real-time application, it can work uh, really well and you can't really do it with a data center that's really far away. So it, it's, it's how is that exciting? I mean, it, is that going to be a big enabler for enterprises to want, Private 5G because they can instantiate this edge cloud. Can can you speak more to that? Is my understanding correct?
1: Absolutely. So, so the edge part of the private 5G is is an essential component of private 5G so that you have the the compute power and the storage power uh, that you need next to you uh, for the low latency, but also for the security. So, so it's, I would say an essential element of private 5G is the edge. Uh, right.
0: Yeah. Well, so this is, well, right now we're perfectly set up to, you know, segue into what you're trying to do with uh, Venus and Mercury in your, uh, you know, plans for, as I mentioned right at the beginning, to create this uh, VP5 service, which is virtual private 5G service towards the enterprise so uh, can you can you briefly this this I've been describing it I don't know if I've even get I'm even getting it right why don't you tell us in your own words what are you' trying to do with VNM and what's your vision and what you're trying to achieve okay so
1: for VNM I, I see 5g, Um, enabling a few niche segments Uh, a few we already mentioned you know the the upgrades of of lte (coughs) private lte the upgrade of of uh, wi-fi networks um upgrade of a wireless pbx so that is let's say the low-hanging fruit but what i also expect is that there will be a few currently unknown and impossible applications uh, because the necessary latency is not available because the necessary quality is not available, uh, but becomes available with 5G. And therefore it will emerge as a new niche. It could be a replacement of a fixed application. You know, a lot of the uh, robotics are now, you know, connected with actual cables, which, you know, makes them stationary, um, but, and, and, and makes it uh, less uh, powerful than they could be if they are able to, to really be fully mobile. Um, so, 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 so that is one of these uh, aspects in the industrial area. But I also see uh, things with drones for agriculture. Uh, now you have um, what they call smart ar- agriculture, where you use um, drones uh, to optimize the the watering and um, the use of fertilizer. Uh, You could even pinpoint it on a plant basis. But the way they do it is that they have a drone fly up, make the necessary pictures, then they land the drone they removed an SD, SD card that they have on board the, the, the drone, they then put it in an envelope uh, and drive it to some kind of, of, of facility where they have the applications to do the analysis. Now, of course, that is quite cumbersome. Right. It would be great if you can have the signal go directly from the drone, real-time or near real-time to a 5G mast. And in the edge, you have the application loaded where everything is processed. And a, the farmer is there uh, with his laptop, seeing real-time what he needs to do. And that that will be something that 5G will make available in a much, you know, so the application is there, all the components are there, but they are not able to connect um, reliably together uh, at the moment, but with 5G you
0: can make them much
1: more powerful.
0: All right, yeah, absolutely that's a, that's a great example do you, do you have any other examples in, in binding? Another, or, or?
1: Yeah, another example is, is augmented reality um, we see it now, you know, Google has tried the Google Glass and sometimes with your iPhone uh, or your mobile phone you can have, uh, you know google maps direct you and give you sort of uh uh, if you if you if you point it to a certain building then they can give you more accurate directions where to go Um, but it's still you know not as powerful as it wants to be uh, because they are using 4g and they are using gps signals with 5g uh, and now we are talking about a public 5g application um, you could have augmented reality uh, much more powerful because the latency is is less, and you have a much denser network. So you do, you can use uh, GPS-independent location-based because the, the the cells themselves can give you the location.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty big augmented reality for training people. being able to give online help to lesser trained technicians uh, that can save a lot of operational cost and training costs so on the subject of applications as as you know this podcast is very much focused on helping startups Mm -hmm. Uh, do you think there is given that the edge is an exciting new development and there's new use cases for edge given the low latency and the mobility the examples Mm -hmm. that you just described, perfectly fit into that. Do you think there could be uh, applications, uh, like applications like we run on our mobile phones, can they be applications that could be downloaded on the edge server for use by enterprises rather than them developing it in-house? You know what I'm trying to say? And and what do you think? Could you speak to that a little bit? What do you see in the future? Yes,
1: so you you could have very localized uh, uh, functionalities, um, for again, your, 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 closed user group. And that, that could be something as like a hotel service, right? That, that you have, uh, you know, something mundane as, as, uh, movie selections that are only for those who are in that building, uh, which happens to be a hotel and you're providing that as, as a service to your hotel guests, but it could also be much more, you know, important things like, uh, you know, uh, some productivity tool um, that you have for only those who need to use it, which are, you know, uh, in in an office environment or in a factory environment. And so they are loaded on the local edge cloud and are accessible only to those who have, uh, you know, the, the functionality activated in their SIM card.
0: But, uh... Just help me understand but wouldn't that be possible even without a 5g network like within the fixed uh, fixed network have a server there and stream movies and do all that i mean is there any specific value add from 5g private 5g well the, the it's, it's
1: more powerful i mean the the concepts are always uh, possible in many ways uh, with with any technology but the question is how powerful is it? Is it uh, high speed? Is it uh, low latency? Is it uh, ultra-reliable? Uh, so, so, yeah, what what you describe, of course, if you are uh, talking about stationary people behind the laptop, right. then, of course, you could use the fixed network, provided that it's a fiber-based uh, high-speed uh, broadband network. Uh, you could use that. Right. And if the the you know the connections between your private cloud fixed network mm-hmm. to the workstations if if that is high speed fiber yeah sure mm-hmm. you don't need right. 5g but if you want to move around uh if you want to uh, use it on a mobile phone uh, or a mobile device i should say uh, then then that is a different matter and if the campus is is not an office but you know there is also uh, you know an outside part of the campus that you want to be moving around in uh, because you're operating cranes or you're operating other vehicles then that 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 is where you need the wireless component
0: excellent yeah makes sense that that makes sense so on oh, another way to better understand the opportunity is to maybe uh, understand from you what are your plans for vnm when you want to go and sell to the enterprise, the service. I mean, we briefly talked about it. I mentioned that that uh, that getting a 5G service, a public 5G service and getting it from you, the difference is that from the former, it is fairly inflexible. It has to be a mature service. Like for example, I do know that uh, even AWS is offering private 5G as a service, but it only has uh, select, you know, list of features, and if you want to do something different, then you're kind of out of luck. I guess that's where VNM comes in. So, could you speak to that? Like, what sort of customization enterprises would need, and where you could fulfill that that problem or, or solve that problem? Yeah. So this
1: is also why it is important to partner with industry knowledgeable experts like Edgecom. Uh, So they have very intimate knowledge of certain verticals, so, you know, uh, airports, main ports, certain factories, uh, etc. So they have a very intimate understanding of what the requirements are, and they are able to therefore build specific applications to meet the needs of that specific vertical or they know what applications are there available that they can load on the uh, on the edge cloud and they also are able to un- understand what kind of quality service level agreement they need to have in the uh, engineering of the network uh, so that you have the reliability and the speed and the 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 capacity that is required for that specific customer so so, so that is where a generic public operator will not have that understanding and will therefore not be able to meet the quality standards and will, you know, says, you know, I have these standard features. Uh, And basically what a public 5G operator does is they only play with price and you can choose with a data package, a voice package and a messaging package. And they give you more or less of each of these three and that's it and and they give you maybe some access to a public cloud where you can get the microsoft office or you get whatever uh, aws has on a generic services but they don't have tailor made applications and uh, they cannot host tailor made applications in in your local cloud you need to do all that yourself and and this is where we through partnership with industry vertical specific uh, specialists are able to to meet that need but we are not doing it alone we are doing it with multiple uh, partners so for each set of industries you have the knowledgeable expert partner for that
0: from that area yeah that makes sense that that actually solves the problem of of being able to uh to like we were discussing earlier before the podcast we were talking about You know, not just approaching an enterprise with a vanilla solution, but when you're approaching them with a cutting-edge solution, you need to team up with a domain expert so that the combination of the domain knowledge and the leading edge technology becomes far more potent and more compelling to override the desire to get standardized services. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And so so that is, let's say, what differentiates company like venus and mercury with a general purpose uh, 5g operator uh, a, a, a normal mobile network operator is driven by what they call operational excellence and that means that they want to have you know the most efficient network well efficiency means standardization this means that all the base stations have to be the same with the same kind of software so that any engineer uh, can maintain all these and if you do a software upgrade it's one for the whole network. So everything is standardized and that means it is not tailor made because it is standardized and what specific uh, um, private networks require is a certain uh, tailoring that is specifically made for their requirements and that is what we do. We have partners that understand what the specifications need to be to have the right tailoring. And we have a flexible network that is able to, because it's built up modularly, it's able to have different uh, settings per subset, per customer. And it is, in the end, connected to the same core, but the various radio networks are sort of standalone islands. Right. And... Within the core, we have segregated capacities um, that are connected to these radio network islands. So so that is actually as if you have a collection of separate networks, but with the economy of scale of having it all connected to each other and using the same uh, equipment.
0: Great, great. So we talked about a lot of exciting things, you know, listeners may have Realize that so much is uh, happening in this space. Uh, but still, one might ask what are the challenges? Where do you think we could get stuck? Would it be the cost, or, you know, like business case, the spectrum? I'm talking about adoption of private 5G, obviously. Would it be expertise, you know, like uh, skill set of the people? Would it be compatibility with legacy equipment? who, you know, how to select vendors? What are the dilemmas? What are the challenges that enterprises will face, you think? Um, And of course, I'm sure we will overcome them, but we're good to know. What do you think would be the biggest hurdles for adoption? The biggest hurdle spectrum, and
1: related to that, the emotional hurdle, that you need to to take with the established uh, mobile network operators they are used to be controlling the whole market and they uh, don't like intruders mm. <laughs> and, right. they, and they have full-time lobbyists in in their employment that have very good inroads to the regulator so to have Part of the spectrum allocated for industrial use is something that uh, is a big hurdle. Uh, fortunately, more and more regulators are understanding the benefit of having that, and they set some spectrum aside for for uh, that kind of applications for private five G. But still, it's it's an uphill battle, and to have that efficiently there, and to have also you know. The the limitations not so constrained that you are basically sort of tied to what looks like uh, a, a 5G public network. So 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 that is the major major channel uh, challenge spectrum and related to that the regulatory environment that allows you to have sufficient freedom uh, of use of spectrum and, and applications.
0: Absolutely agree with that. But do you think the solution to these two challenges would be companies like yourself and other enterprising software companies that create the compelling applications? And therefore, what will happen is the enterprises will become the lobby that will be the lobby on your side or on the side of private 5G. And you could make some inroads or the other solution could be Uh, to somehow work alongside with the big guys, the big operators, and act as a complementary service. Exactly. What do you think?
1: That's exactly what I'm trying to establish, um, because in the end, we are really not a threat to the uh, mobile operators. We are gap fillers. And so that is what I'm trying to now promote in the Netherlands is is the concept of what I call an open access operator, which is an operator that fills the gaps of the, um, uh, the large mobile network operators that they are not able to address because it's not big enough for them to be bothered with. Uh, but where if they need it, they could also make use of, of that open access operator network. So it's, it's that, that's why I'm calling it open access is that, you know, uh, the way I would like to see it is that in the license, so you would have certain spectrum that you can use on a national basis, but in the license conditions, you are obliged to open up your network to any uh, um, any reasonable request and that could be from one of the MNOs you know, one of the actual uh, large operators because they, they need extra capacity or they want to uh, serve a certain certain customer that they believe is, is promising enough to justify it uh, and so they want to first uh, have it hosted on your open access network and then if they see it fly and, and have sufficient size then they could copy that in their network. So I see that the w- as the way forward to allow innovation to happen in uh, and, and have uh, sufficient open access capacity so that there's room for uh, innovation and, and, and experimentation which is needed for 5G. And that will also help the big operators because then they can see what niches are growing quickly and are worth of being hosted on their network because that it's all a numbers game for them right if if something is big enough then that is something that they are able to accommodate in their network
0: absolutely absolutely uh, this could private 5g could well become the tail that wags the dog which is which is 5g well, You know, I sometimes compare it with, with um, airlines.
1: Uh, If, if you are in an airline and you, you know, their main focus is flying that plane, right. And having it go go back and forth. The meals are just a side thing for them, but it's a necessary side thing, but because they are based on efficiency, the choice is what do you want? chicken or pasta, right? That is, that is the <laughs> yeah. What do you want, chicken or pasta? Now, it's, if you are a frequent flyer, then that, that is, you know, it could Get to be you a very little quickly. Bit, Exactly. <laughs> and so what you see happening uh, is that some airlines um, team up with other uh, companies in, in, in Holland, for example, KLM, uh, even for the business class. Uh, has some uh, some gourmet uh, uh, chefs cook spe- special meals that you can select in business class and it is now siping through to the premium economy class that you could pre-order your meal and you have a much wider selection because it is not provided by the in-house catering company of the airline but from a third party catering company that is specialized in these kind of meals
0: Which And proves can- your point about how certain telco companies can become these niche players and make inroads as a very good exactly. analogy yeah
1: yeah and if you are open-minded enough and don't see it as a threat but as a uh, as a complementary service to your core yeah. business. And KLM is a, getting
0: more loyalty now because you, exactly. they're offering something others don't, right? So Exactly. It, it's a win-win. And then you have companies like the low-budget
1: airlines, Ryanair, that outsources the whole catering altogether.
0: If they have uh, any, <laughs> I
1: thought... Well, <laughs> it's a paid service for them. And the, the way they do it is they, they sort of have a tender. So Ryanair, of course, it's a budget company. So what they do is they have a a tender every now and then, uh, and they invite catering companies to bid for providing catering on a revenue share basis. So all the risk of the catering and the loading, etc., is for the catering company. It's a paid service for the consumer. So you, you don't get a free meal, you order from the caterer, and the caterer has to then decide what is going to be a seller and what is not going to be a seller because they have a limited a uh, number of of carts that they can and, and limited space where they can carry the stock, and so some of them allow you to choose it before you board, and so they they know how to to um, uh, stock it appropriately, and the revenue share thirty percent goes to Ryan and seventy
0: percent goes to the caterer. Amazing, so um, great, so good discussion. So let me move on to um, another key question for our audience here, is there any specific advice you can give startups who are like trying to create deep tech solutions in software? Do you, do you have any thoughts on like what they can work on? What the, I mean, there are APIs now, defined APIs to create edge applications for orchestration, for virtualization. I believe the whole standardization of 5G stack makes it mm-hmm. completely open, even the radio is open, apparently, right? Yeah. So yeah. what kind of things can startups you know, get interested in and help move this whole 5G bandwagon along?
1: Mm, that's a difficult question, but what I would recommend is that stay away from um the the business models that you see emerging on the internet and uh, on mobile where, you know, the user data are mined and sold to advertisers. Uh, I think that is a business model that is creating uh, an increasing Amount of opposition from the consumers, and 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 users in general that are worried about their privacy, that are worried about you know being uh, overloaded with uh, you know what they considered uh, unwanted intrusions and in advertising. So I would right, right. I would I would uh, advise them to have a business model that is you know viable in and in itself as the service so make it a paid service or a subscription-based service don't use a free and then advertise a based model right. yeah, that is a annoying model that uh, needs to be eradicated
0: <laughs> yes. yeah it's creating more distrust and anger uh, which yeah can result in a backlash and yeah. Ruin we the progress.
1: Yeah. with Facebook or Meta or whatever they call themselves nowadays they, they are using a lot of they, they are losing a lot of credit uh, very quickly
0: yes indeed, indeed likewise what would be the advice to CIOs in companies so that they should be encouraged to adopt private 5G
1: my advice to them is be open-minded CIOs uh, can be too risk-avoiding. And so they stay with the names they know, uh, but then they also don't get any innovation. Uh, innovation doesn't come from big companies nowadays. It comes from startups. They are the ones that are creative enough and uh, adventurous enough to try to go the extra mile and, and build something that is worthwhile uh, and and Tailored to your needs, uh, big companies tend to go for standardized services, which means you know the the one size fits all kind of approach. And uh, yeah, that that is usually not what you want. At least not. Yes, they not should. A, it, they should
0: certainly yeah. make exceptions. I mean, by and large, eighty yeah. percent of the IT department should be standardized. But I feel that CIO should leave aside twenty percent of their activity in innovation. And that is yes. to their advantage for maintaining sure. yeah. their competitiveness. Right? Absolutely, absolutely, I agree. I mean, they
1: should, they should not forget their their quality standards, of course. Uh, but you know, they should not be so rigorous in their uh, RFPs that you know demand uh, high penalties and demand uh, extensive uh, reference cases. Because if you are a startup, you don't have references. And and you cannot give millions of bank guarantees. Yes, yeah, so so do do a proof of concept, make rigorous testing so that you know that you have the reliable service that you need, and 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 give them a chance.
0: Absolutely, totally agree. Well, that brings us to the end of all my questions, uh, Mohammed. Is there anything else you'd like to add that you know maybe my questions didn't cover? or just summarize in last few words, and then we can wrap it up? No, I think
1: you did an excellent job. Um, Thank you very much for uh, having me as your guest. I I hope I was able to give you sufficient uh, answers to your questions, and uh, wish you all the best, and of course your listeners. And uh, yeah, if there is any uh, something that came up later, then happy to... uh, to, to hear from you and I would be happy to uh, have a follow-up uh, session either via email or, or otherwise to, uh, to answer any questions that
0: come in. Great. Great. Likewise, uh, wish you all the best with the exciting idea of the VP5, which is you know, virtual private 5G for enterprises, <laughs> if that ever becomes a term. I think it's a very exciting idea. Uh, I I might borrow it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, and you did answer, uh, you know, all the questions to the point. I think it was super um, enlightening and educational for our listeners, I'm sure. And if they have any questions, um, I already mentioned who you are. They can find you on the net, uh, I suppose. Venus and Mercury Telecom and Mohammed Kazim, thank you so much. Uh, Wish you all the best and hope we keep chatting.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners, it's your host, Saibal Sen. I really hope you liked what you heard today. Maybe you can give me some feedback on improvements, maybe suggest a new topic, or even join me as a guest in my next episode. So to contact me, you can follow and join a discussion page. That is on LinkedIn, Zenesis India Startup Talk. Zenesis, spelt as Z-E-N-E-S-Y-S, India Startup Talk.